gonna be weird yes hi i'm amy and i'm chris and, and we're, we're sonosphere you're listening to wyxr 91.7 on your fm dial Sonosphere, the podcast that explores the sounds all around us in art and music movements through history. And you hear us here on WYXR every Monday from 4 to 5 p.m. Thanks for tuning in. Today, we're in for a treat. We interviewed Darius Jones, saxophonist and composer. He does solo saxophone. Um, and this is uh, a solo saxophone record that we talk with him about today. Uh, called Raw Demoon Alchemy, a lone operation. Uh, we get to hear, you know, where he recorded it, his approach to recording it, and we know we talk about a lot of different things, uh, from Black Futurism to where he grew up in Virginia. It was a great conversation, and we'll even hear a couple of tunes found on the Raw Demoon Alchemy album. For instance, right now we're hearing "Beautiful Love," uh, a cover of Ornette Coleman's piece. Um, and on that record, you'll find a lot of amazing sounds, like an unreleased composition by Georgia Ann Muldrow called Sadness. And um, we'll also hear today on the show a Sun Raw cover from, from this album, Love in Outer Space. So stay tuned to the interview and to all of the great music uh, coming from Mr. Darius Jones and his influences. So stay tuned to WYXR 91.7. I'm Darius Jones. I'm an alto saxophonist and composer, educator out of uh, New York, specifically Brooklyn. Um, I recently came out with a solo album entitled Raw, Demoon, Alchemy, A Lone Operation, which is out on Northern Spy Records. And uh, it's, um, yeah, I'm really excited about a solo saxophone, so. So, so I grew up in, um, uh, Virginia, and originally um, Southern boy, so we have something in common, folks. Uh, and uh, my uncle played the saxophone. He was a saxophonist, and he primarily played gospel sax, like church and church, and also he did kind of like smooth jazz, like R&B saxophone playing. And uh, and so I heard that when I was a child, like from the time I was born, because we spent a lot of time at my grandparents' house and he lived there. And I would hear him practicing. I would sit outside the door while he practiced. I mean, for, I mean, I think I was like, I don't, I don't, I don't remember a moment. I just remember doing that. And then I remember the moment where he let me come in and he let me toot it. Like he held it and I blew into it and got a sound. And um, he also, 
And then I they bought me a saxophone at a certain point. And you got to understand, it's like I grew up with all these kind of sounds around me. So it was like, it, you know, my, my grandfather and that side of my family is uh, very country. They're from Mississippi. So we would take trips to Mississippi all the time. My, my mom's side is Jamaican. So I heard these like, I was like really attracted to sound as a kid and all through my life. So it's like sound was the thing that drew me. And the saxophone just had an interesting sound. I mean, uh, I don't know if I understood all of that when I was a kid. I'm not sure I was like, oh, the saxophone. I actually thought it was quite geeky. Uh, I just liked my uncle because he was cool. He seemed like he he wore like a, he had this burgundy uh, leisure suit that I thought was so awesome. <laughs> and he looked so cool in it and he had a saxophone. And so I thought that was cool. And when I started playing, you know, I was playing all the, you know, typical stuff you know, Charlie Parker and all that stuff. And I studied classical saxophone, which I really enjoyed. And um, and it just grew from there. Um, I grew up, you know, in a very uh, religious household. And so I grew up with a lot of religious music as well. You are tuned in to Sonosphere right here on WYXR 91.7 and on the web at WYXR.org. Thanks for tuning in. We are a nonprofit radio station and we can use your help. Anything you can do, go to WYXR.org and donate or you can volunteer your time, become a member of the station. All of those things will keep us on the air and keep this radio station Funky and fun. And today, Sonosphere is featuring an interview with Darius Jones, alto saxophonist and composer. And we spoke with Darius about his approach to his latest album out now called Raw de Moon Alchemy, a lone operation. Uh, we're going to hear a lot more about what went into recording that album and the um, you know influences behind it coming up next in the interview. Right now, we are hearing uh, an excerpt. Uh, from a live performance from May of 2019 by the Experimental Sound Studio, um, where Darius Jones is doing a lot of long tones. So stay tuned uh, to this song and our interview coming up with Darius Jones, alto saxophonist and composer, right here on WYXR 91.7.
Um, so you're you um, like to premiere new works by different people that haven't, um, you know, um, like the one on your uh, album by Georgia M. Muldrow. Um, can you talk about uh, why it's important to you know perform those works and get those out there? So the the, the piece that I did by Georgia is, is uh, kind of a, a funny story with that because with her. I did a, a thing with her at Kennedy Center some years back, and this was a piece that we we performed at that show. But she hadn't recorded it. It was something that I don't. I'm not even sure she even knows. Like she doesn't really even remember it beyond that performance. I actually have the original recording of it, but it's it's just like a rough thing that she put together and sent to all the musicians, and. Uh, I fell in love with it. We had an experience in a rehearsal where she just sung that refrain over and over and over again, teaching it to us. And I kept playing it over and over again with her and trying to catch her um, kind of vocal quality and, and catch her little nuances and whatnot as she kept singing it. And, um, and then it became a thing between the two of us, between her and I, where I would say to her, I was like, did I get it right? You know, and I would send her little iPhone messages or, you know, play it on uh, Instagram. It's like, did I do it right? And, you know, and it became this little thing, insider thing between her and I. But the reality is I fell in love with it and I didn't stop playing it at all <laughs> since that moment. I kept playing it and playing it. I would send it to people me playing it like to just random friends of mine. <laughs> and uh, and then when I was about to, and then I started doing a lot of solo concerts and I just loved it. I thought it was, it's, it's how I open up my solo concert. And it will probably be the way I open it up for until I can't play anymore because it just feels right to me. It feels like, it feels like this thing that was like, I was meant to find that or something. And I feel like, you know, I'm not sure she'll ever record it. I'm not sure what she's going to do with it. I don't think she even knows, but I think it's important to, when someone gives you uh, some kind of song or little melody or something like that, it's like a gift, you know, and you should just, you should really try to learn as much from it as you possibly can. And to be honest, it's I'm still learning things from it. Thank <laughs> you. 
Train is proud to sponsor WYXR and its mission of supporting Memphis's musical legacy and future. Train has been offering commercial HVAC and energy solutions in Memphis and the Mid-South area for over 60 years. More information at train.com. is something that has always been a part of my uh, musical life and so they were always kind of side by side my sister was a singer I was a singer um, but I I felt oh, this is this is very I don't think I've ever said this before in uh, an interview but I made a very conscious decision at a, at a point in my life where I thought singing was I thought I would not be as pure as a singer I thought I would like be more <laughs> I thought I would be more of a guy who would use singing uh, as a way of getting girls and things like that and so I thought the saxophone would be more of a spiritual way of living life and but I was the voice was something I was always attracted to now it wasn't necessarily always singing that I was attracted to I was just attracted to the voice like how voice worked and, and that led me to being very attracted to how people sung. And in church, people sing in these very, and you know, especially in the black church, they sing in these, in these very um, powerful and alluring ways. And I really fell in love with that. And I fell in love with the sound of a preacher. And I fell in love with the sounds of the way people speak and the quality and tone of people's voices um, was something that I was quite attracted to all of my life and um, even when I was younger I loved opera I loved like classical vocals um, the blues was a huge part of my upbringing and like listening to gospel quartets which was a very specific type of um, male vocal group um, that I grew up hearing a lot of just hearing the raw voice that was something that you know influenced the oversoul manual a lot when I uh, wrote that, um, but I was also really, in, you know, attracted to European, you know, religious music as well. You know, I was I was also attracted to like indigenous, you know, ritualistic music. So you know, and these were all things that were like kind of like a part of because growing up, 
my dad was Jamaican, so I heard all this kind of Jamaican type of vocalizing, and that was different from the vocalizing that I was hearing, you know, in uh, American culture. It was, it was, it was different. So, it was. I mean, I don't know. How, it's funny to think about how I got here because it was a lot of steps and a lot of listening and a lot of experiences. But um, yeah, it was really eclectic. I can say that in my experience. So you mentioned listening, and I think, um, again, when you're thinking about improvisation, you said improvisation is composition, and listening plays a big role in that. Um, I think you were working with Matthew Shipp um, when you were having that talk. So um, can you talk about, you know, you said you grew up with sounds all around you, and um, so how does listening um, also play a role into how you approach your music? Well, I mean, I couldn't actually talk about that in relation to this album. I mean, a lot of what I'm doing on this album is listening. I'm listening to the space. I'm listening to how I enter the space. I'm listening to the quality of the sound that I'm creating when I do create the sound. I'm listening, you know, to uh, how deeply I can get inside of the sound. I, I'm listening past the fundamental pitch is something that I've been doing for some years now. When I listen to music in general, just outside of myself, I'm hearing texture, I'm hearing like shading, I'm hearing dynamic contrast, I'm hearing this larger world of sound um, when I'm listening to anything. And there are certain musicians and ensembles that can tap into this world where the music actually transcends this surface level of sonic exploration and actually starts to move into this more, you know, for lack of a better word, uh, physics-based space where the partials and everything and resonant frequencies start to vibrate and actually move the environment itself, meaning like, you know, the walls and um, even the bodies of human beings and whatnot. And when you can start to hear that, I think you start to kind of hear something else. I'm not, I can't, you know, pontificate about the physics of this and the mathematics, but I want to just say, like, it's, it's there. And, you know, some people are aware of it and some people aren't. And sometimes we just call it like the spiritual realm. But I actually think there's something to it from the standpoint of, like, I think some people just hear that way. And for me, that's how I heard. Like, I'm a person who will go outside and just listen to a space, you know, listen to the environment. That's something I've been doing a lot lately, just like listening to environments. Like, and then let me see what the horn, how can I integrate the horn into the environment? Or what would it sound like if I put a vocalist like right here, right in this space? What, and, and wrote a piece with the sounds that exist within this space, you know, in the acoustics of the space. I mean, even if it's outside, I find that really fascinating. And one of the things I say about the solo, doing the solo work is I, what attracts me to it is like going into the space. <laughs> like, it's like, I don't know what the space is gonna do to the sound. I really don't, I don't know how it's gonna affect the sound like being an acoustic instrument you're not really playing by yourself you're actually 
like having this sort of relationship with the environment as well. Where did you record this album? What space? <laughs> uh, at Halcyon in uh, Portland, Oregon. I did a tour, a West Coast tour in 2019, in the fall of 2019, and I, in uh, my last stop was at this space, and um, I, the space was interesting. It was like all metal and brick. I mean, it was just like, and then there was made like literally, it was like concrete, yeah, concrete metal, and pretty big space, like you know, very high ceilings, you know, wide, big. Um, but it wasn't, you know, the thing that I thought was really cool, you know, I just recorded it with my iPhone, uh, which was like, you know, at a, on a little table that was some distance away from me, not really far, but, you know, and uh, you could hear everything. That's what I love about the recording. Like, it's just like you can hear the environment and that's a part of the sound. That's what makes the sound interesting to me when i listen to that recording i think you're hearing a relationship with environment i think sometimes as musicians what we do is we try to quiet the environment we don't try to become one with it we try to overpower it a lot of times when people play solo it's just like okay me my, you know and then they don't let the environment into the sound and so that's kind of i wasn't doing that that's i just approached it differently We're tuned into Sonosphere here on WYXR 91.7 and on the web at WYXR.org. Thanks for tuning in to Sonosphere. We're here every Monday from 4 to 5 p.m. And today we are featuring an interview with alto saxophonist and composer Darius Jones. Right now we are hearing Sun Ra's Love in Outer Space performed by Darius Jones from his latest solo album called Raw Demoon Alchemy. And we're going to continue hearing more from Darius Jones right here on Sonosphere WYXR 91.7.
is a reflection on you know I guess loneliness and longing I feel like um, on parts of it though 
you know, as you, you say, you're reflecting with your own voice and your own, um, you know, what you're hearing is coming out of yourself. I feel like that's a lot of self-reflection. But as you get into the album, I feel like there's certain parts to where there's a calling out past that. And there's a reaching to, you know, as you say, incorporate that environment, but also it seems like a reaching out to um, not succumb to your loneliness. Can you talk about that? Yeah, you know, it's interesting. I mean, when you go through a a really intense um, transition in life, um, you try to find a way to deal with it. And it's funny, art has been my way of dealing with it all my life. Um, and in this situation, it is that, you know, when I, when the latter, the last piece, Love and Outer Space, is me kind of, the, the way that piece, the thing begins is essentially me kind of like reaching into the unknown. I don't know what's there. And, you know, I, I'm trying to, in some ways, be comfortable with that. Be comfortable and fall in love with the unknown. To get to that place where it's okay. You know, even if it's not okay, it's okay. You know, it's like, I know this. And, and, and I tried, in my way, tried to make that beautiful. Try to make that scary space where we don't know something that we could actually embrace. And I think those those feelings are there. It's like the fear, the 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 longing, the reaching, the searching, all of that's in that piece, you know. But then there's you know, and then when I actually do play Sunrise Refrain, I think I'm also really trying to you know say you know there's something really really beautiful out here. No. So so reflecting on the Sun Ra and like the and black futurism, you've written pieces incorporating those elements. And as you say, you know, you're you're letting people know it's okay and you're building those environments. Do you think that that's in in some way how do how does music reflect that black futurism? Because it's gotta exist now, but you're creating a world for the future, you know. <laughs> well, so this album in some ways is me kind of talking about people who I feel have what I, I, I this thing I've said multiple times now is called world builders. I feel like Georgia is a world builder. Georgia and Muldrow is a world builder. I feel like, you know, Ornette Coleman is a world builder. I feel like you could say Victor Young, who, you know, <laughs> who wrote The Standard, is a world builder. So is, uh, Roscoe Mitchell, so is Sun Ra. The thing is, when we think about these individuals, specifically the black ones who built a world, the world isn't always related to this place. It's related to something else out there. And really what I'm trying to communicate is to my white counterparts that you should look at the reason why many black artists are reflecting on something out there versus something right here, you know? And my work is the same way, you know, the whole Manish Boy universe is about some distant world 
out there in space somewhere. Because if I reflect totally, which I have created pieces about America and the place I live and all that stuff, it's not always pretty. It's not, I have to kind of come from a more authentic place. Um, you know, but as, <laughs> as a human being, I like to dream too. You know, I like to, you know, think of a world that's not so violent and horrible and, and where people see me as more than just black, you know, see me as fully human, see me as fully realized being and my actions and my creative sense is not questioned uh, or made to feel less than because I'm not fitting into the narrative that uh, they feel I should fit into. And that, you know, and we try to say, you know, music and the world of music is progressive, especially kind of like new music and avant-garde music and whatnot, but it's still um, is dealing with the same issues. And that's why you see a lot of black artists dealing with black futurism now because we're trying to like open people's minds to the reality that it still exists here. We're still like going through the same, dealing with the same issues. And we need you to uh, see us more clearly. I want to ask you about the album art uh, because it's it's pretty cool. Uh, who did it, and and where did that come from? <laughs> so Risha Rocks, who is an amazing artist out of LA, uh, who also uh, is uh, a makeup artist and an artist of her own. Right, she um, um, was a part of the HBO show uh, Random Acts of Flyness. If you've ever seen that, you will see her, her work. She's done many other movies, obviously, as well. But that specifically, that work kind of uh, is something I love from her. And we've known each other for quite some, some time. We knew each other for years. I met her in L.A. while I was on tour one time. And, uh, and we just hit it off. We liked each other. And so when it came to this record, I had made a record a long time. And I wanted... I, I wanted some, I didn't know what I was like, I knew what I wanted, but I needed someone to be down to go to the space that I wanted to go to. And Risha was, she was, she was, she was totally down. We spent hours on the phone talking and, you know, talking about the concept of the moon and who, and who they were and, you know, and, you know, who the character was and, the qualities of the character and, and, and explaining to her the world of uh, Managed Boy and what that was about and and getting deep inside of that. And she didn't shy away from any of the things that I was telling her about the character. And, you know, I, you know, told her he only had, you know, they only had one eye and, you know, they were a villain. They were not a good person. And, and, you know, they were the villain of this world and how they had certain abilities that other people um, on the world didn't have. It was it was like a really in-depth conversation. And so the, and, and the idea of mysticism and magic and what magic looked like, you know, on another world. And so, you know, we, we did a lot of uh, talking about that. And, 
about, you know, just the characteristics of the artist. And she came up, I mean, I, I can tell you this. When she showed me this for the very first time, the cover, I was like floored. I was completely blown away. It, like, it was like someone like went inside of my head and pulled the, <laughs> the moon out and put it on a piece of paper. And I was, I was like, oh my God. I was like, I, I couldn't wait until people could see this. Like, I, I it's yeah. It's beautiful. Yeah. 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 yeah, I wanted it to be beautiful. I wanted to, you know, when I did Manage Boy for the very first time and they saw that artwork, <laughs> this writer threw it across the room. He was disgusted by it. And, <laughs> and I <laughs> said, I want to make the moon so alluring and beautiful. And that's one of the things I said to her. I was like, I want, I want him to be beautiful. Yeah. I guess if there's anything um, that you might, uh, that we might not have asked that you think's important to this, um, or, you know, there's just something you would like to tell our listeners, um, feel free. I think what you guys do is really cool. I didn't know you guys were Southern. Um, <laughs> so, you know, that makes me happy. Um, but I shouldn't have been surprised because there's always some people in the South that are really like cool people who are doing <laughs> really interesting things and like they're just trying to find this spot. So that makes me really happy that to know that I, you know, you guys reach out to me because I do listen to your podcast. Well, thank you. Thanks. Um, yeah. yeah, and so you know, other than that, you know, I don't know what else to say. I mean, go buy the album. <laughs> I think it's a great album. I think it's you know. I wouldn't say that if I didn't really believe it. Trust me. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> what do you think of the album? Have I, you guys I, heard it? Yes. yes. No. Oh, I, I had it on yesterday. I was reading a sci-fi novel, so it went perfectly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I, I think it's a it's good. gorgeous album, and I think that um, I don't know. It's a it's a good reflection because sometimes you get into that space. Um, you know, at least I find myself, I, I like to go to a space and listen, like you say, and like my, I, my reprieve is by the Mississippi River. So I took the oh, album man. down there and, yeah. uh, listened to it down there and it was, uh, it, it, it was really nice. So, oh man, man yeah. dude, I wish I could join you on that one. Yeah. That sounds amazing. So. Yeah. I, you know, you made me think of something, you know, one of the, the, one of the things that inspired me to play solo was uh, Roscoe Mitchell's Nonea, the, the, the original version of Nonea. I don't know if you guys are familiar with that one, but it's also off of his album called Nonea, which is a hard album to find. Everyone mixes it up because there's been a ton of Noneas, but this particular version of Nonea that I take the, the refrain from is uh, from this concert he did in 1976. 77 or something like that in Willisau and he was booed when he came out and he kept playing that refrain over and over and over again until the audience relented
and started cheering for him. And it's a really amazing thing. And I and it inspired me to want to develop a solo project. And until that moment, until and I had heard this some years back, but I revisited it while I was going through this uh, this this hard time in my life. And I and in that moment I was like, oh, I this is what I need. You know, I need to find that resilience to get to that space where, you know, though the universe will start cheering for me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's beautiful. That's awesome. Yeah. Well thank you so much for taking So the thank time. you. Yeah. Thank you for having me and thank you for taking some time with me. Thanks for tuning in to Sonosphere today on WYXR 91.7. We are out of time, so we're going to leave you here with No Na. That is from Roscoe Mitchell. Um, this is a version from the Not Yet uh, compilation album. It's six compositions of uh, Roscoe Mitchell's. So we're going to hear this version of No Na, and uh, that's what we're going to leave you with. So stay tuned to WYXR. A lot of great programming coming up later today. And so you know what to do. Keep that dial on 
This is Chris with Sonosphere, and you're listening to WYXR 91.7. 